repeated. The book of Judges will stand and read in just a moment. I want to want to talk to you for a, a couple of minutes. Uh, first of all, I, I just want to give out a friendly reminder to Brother Fiavai that his pastor has three Fords at his house, and I'm not sure what that was all about, but I am thankful for how God used him on Wednesday night and, and continues to use the Fiavais and so many others. It's a blessing. Sure am uh, thankful for that. Um, thank you. Thank you for praying for Andrea and I. We go to these preaching conferences once or twice a year, and it's, it, it's primarily just so we can go and get preached to. And, and so we kind of go like a sponge and just soak it up. And, and it starts on Monday evening, and, and then there's just preaching, 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 and more preaching. Um, there have been a couple of times where I've been asked to preach. I'm always thankful for those opportunities, but that's not the primary reason. The primary reason is so that we can get fed. So thank you for praying for me in the preaching. I, you know, I'm always aware, or I, I need to always be aware that, that nothing good happens in this without God's presence and help, and your prayer does so much in that. And so thank you for doing that. I was very nervous, and, and I can't explain all of those reasons, but it was obvious that God, even while I was up there and getting started, that God helped and intervened, and I sure do appreciate you praying for that. But we came back fed and refreshed, and man, Andrea got right with some God in some areas, and you know, maybe I, I, I got some things I need to deal with as well. It was very helpful. Um, when This Wednesday, um, I'm, I'm going to be out of Proverbs uh, for this Wednesday, and I'm going to preach a message that we heard. I went to the guy afterwards, and there were, there were all the message were, messages were very helpful. There's one in particular that was so <laughs> convicting. I'm like, man, I'm going to go home and share that puppy. And so I went to him, and I said, hey, is it okay if I do this? I need to tweak it a little bit because it was for pastors but this truth is helpful for everyone, and so I'm looking forward to sharing that with you on Wednesday night. Um, and, and so I just, I appreciate, you know, as I continue to work at figuring out the, the preaching out and then the need to be preached to, thanks for your patience in that and praying for that. It was, it was all very helpful. The workers meeting, I appreciate Brother Max highlighting that. That is something that we must do annually. There, and there are two things. I'm going to give you the least important and then give you the most important. The least important is that insurance, legal insurance requirements necessitate that we provide annual training in order to make sure that we are covering ourselves from a legal and from a financial standpoint. And, and it's for our protection, we understand that. But what we care about more than our insurance, we care about actually protecting people. We do care about actually protecting people. And, and so this isn't, this isn't some kind of, yeah, let's just, yeah, we can say we had it. And, and so here's what, here's what I need. If you, for some reason, can't make, you cannot make that meeting, I need you to tell Brother Z about that, and he's going to start collecting a list of the people that can't make it, because if you're going to continue to serve in any capacity, in any capacity, you have to get what we're talking about on Saturday. And so it, when we say mandatory, it's not, oh yeah, we're going to throw that term out there 
and then just, you know, just kind of put a little more pressure. No, it actually is. Uh, the least important reason is to protect, or, or is the, the insurance side, the most important is because we actually want to protect people, and then we want to provide the proper insurance, um, or sorry, the proper preparation, sorry about, the proper preparation for people. We want you to understand philosophy, and, and you know this can be true when you come, and different churches do things different ways, and I want people to understand why we do certain things, and we don't, we don't hide those things at all. Um, just have to communicate them at specific times. And so uh, Brother Z is going to begin making that list. So I need you to communicate with him. And this would be the best way. Don't walk up to him after the service. You need to text him. But if it's at all possible for you to be here, then please be here. And then if you're going to be here, it would be really helpful to have a sign-up sheet for that. That would be, that'd be very helpful. And so do that for us in those, in those two ways. And then I'm so pumped about the rally in the valley. And first youth rally at West Valley. We're not doing it to say we're doing something. We're not. I've, I've wanted, had a passion for this for a while. And uh, believe that, I mean, we're trying to follow the Lord. And so we're doing it this spring. Just a couple of weekends coming up. And so can you start to make that a priority in your prayer life? Can you, can you pray for... Um, a few things. Number one, pray for the Wicklands and the Feavis as they put the final touches on the preparation. Pray for Pastor Addison Smith. Um, you're going to enjoy getting to know him. He's only going to be here on Saturday. Um, he'll be flying in Friday night and then flying out uh, late Saturday night. He's planted a church in Oregon. A great young man. He and his family are doing a great job planting a church in a really tough environment. Um, I was able to be there not too long ago, and they have, they, they have taken over an old pizza hut, and where the bar used to be is now a welcome center, and just it's so many amazing things, Grants Pass Baptist Church, and so he's going to be preaching that youth rally, so pray for him, and then pray that churches will come. You know, I understand there's always something going on, but pray for people to show up. We're excited about the participation that we've already received, but we want as many people to come as possible. And so uh, be, be in prayer for that, that God would work. We pray about Bible school. We pray about camp. We pray about all these other things we do. We want God to be in this. If we're going to do it, we want God to be in it. All right. How many of you are tired right now? Okay, good. Stand up. Let's go. Brother Adam... Can you get some air flowing in here, please? I don't know what that's doing, but is air flowing? No, oh, okay. All right. Praise the Lord. And somebody, Brother Andrew, you feel free to kick that door open if y'all get too hot over there, okay? Just don't throw any of that ice stuff that fell on anybody. I mean, Stevie can throw it at you, but don't throw it at anybody else. All right. Uh, Judges chapter 1 and beginning in verse number 1. I know we've, we've covered elements of this and just, just trying to highlight the things that the Lord brings to my attention. This is message number 3 in our series, Cycles of Defeat. And, and we're going to begin to transition now into how the nation of Israel went from so much success in Joshua to so much cyclical defeat in Judges. And I want, you, I want you to have this in your mind. Please, as you go through the book of Judges personally or in this series, 
that this is not the way God intends for the children of God to live their lives. God doesn't intend for us to be here and here and then here and here and then here and here. But let's just be honest. We've all been there one way or another. But, but we want to get this. We don't have to be. Things can be avoided. And so we're going to slowly start to deal with that aspect tonight. Judges 1 verse 1. Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first? To fight against him. Look, I'm the last time I mentioned it, maybe. <laughs> oh, but I, I'm, I'm not excited about the thought, but it is coming one way or another. I hope it comes. I have a new goal. Um, I heard a message about Joseph on Wednesday night. I was sitting there. I'm claiming this verse. My goal is to live to 110. And I want to be your pastor for most of that. Amen. <laughs> I can have goals. Look, if you get an email or a text tomorrow that I died somehow, I w- no, no, I'm not laughing about this. If you get some kind of text that I died, I want you to know this. God intends for this work to keep going on. Now, after, after the death of Moses, Joshua, after the death of Joshua, who shall go up? Judah. God's work does not stop. It's not about the man here. It's about the God here. Don't ever lose focus on that. Who shall go up for us? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. And Judah said unto Simeon, his brother. And I love that part. We talked about that already. Come up with me into my lot that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I likewise will go with thee into thy lot. So Simeon went with him. And Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand. And they slew of them in Bezek, the 10,000 men. Bezek would have been a significant city to these people groups. In verse 6, we read about the leader, the king, one of the chief rulers of this alliance. But Adonai Bezek fled, and they pursued after him. And caught him and cut off his thumbs and his great toes. Look, you people that say the Bible is boring, you just need to read it a little bit. Like, this is crazy. They have this battle. Man, it's a, it's a dominating victory for the nation of Israel. And then they catch this coward of a leader and they cut off his thumbs and toes. This is hardcore. I want you to get verse 7. And Adonai Bezek said, Three score and ten kings, having their thumbs and their great toes cut off, gathered their meat under my table. This is a pagan king speaking. Notice the next phrase. As I have done... So God hath requited me. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. Here's the title. Maybe the longest title I've ever had. Brother Patrick, you're going to need two sticky notes. Head and shoulders, thumbs and toes. Get it out of your system. (laughs) Head and shoulders, thumbs and toes. 
and a really important lesson we all should know, but we often forget. Father, we sure do love you and pray that you help me to love you better. And I thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for our family that we get to be together tonight. And God, just as that little burst of hail or snow, whatever it was that came down right as the service was starting, God, I'm so thankful that we can be here. And Lord, I'm glad that you love us and that you give us a place, that you give us a people, that you give us a church to belong to. And Lord, nothing good happens tonight without you. And as you have already been in, by your grace and mercy, I pray that you would be involved in the, in the preaching. Help us to work at staying awake. God, I know there's weariness. And I know there's, there's other things in our minds. But Father, would you help our focus? God, please help our young people to get this tonight. Lord, I sure, sure would love to see some generations learn the lesson of Adonai Bezek. God, would you help some families that are struggling to learn this? They, their life doesn't have to end up with their toes and their thumbs cut off. God, help us to get it. And that when the familiarness of it begins to make itself known, help us to work through that and to examine, to take fresh view of our life and the way that we're living it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. All right, I need Brother Don to come up here, and I need Jaron to come up here. All right, all right. This is gonna be. This is gonna end poorly. I know. Yeah, it works. All right. So, do you know? Do you know how to do head and shoulders, knees and toes, Brother Don? So, scoot over there. So, watch. We're gonna teach you, Jaron. Right there. Right there, Jaron. Do you know how to do head and shoulders, knees and toes? Okay, here, do it with me. Head and shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes. Come on, you got to do this. Yeah, okay, here you go. Here you go, you ready? All right. Okay, no, okay, y'all sing to help Brother Don. Would it help you if we sang together? Yeah, okay, here we go. Head and shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, knees and toes. Head and shoulders, knees. Okay, that's enough. Look, like, I, I think somebody made this up. And so Andrea told me she made up these lyrics. So right now, um, just like Tom Brady, TB12, and, and what is that called? He, uh, the, 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 the disclaimer thing. Man, good night. Copyright. I'm copywriting this in the name of Andrea Pyle. Head and shoulders, knees and toes, all work for Jesus. Okay, you got it? Here we go. Head and shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, knees and toes. Head and shoulders, knees and toes, all word for Jesus. Okay, now we're going to switch it up, all right? Here's what you're going to do. Head and shoulders, thumbs and toes, thumbs and toes, thumbs and toes. Head and shoulders, thumbs and toes, all word for Jesus. You got it? No, okay, here. You ready? Jaren, you got this with me? Okay, here we go. Head and shoulders, thumbs and toes, thumbs and toes, thumbs and toes. Head and shoulders, thumbs and toes. Oh, word for Jesus. That's awesome. Good job. Fantastic. Way to go. You say, what was that about? I just want to make sure y'all are awake. Go sit down. Thank you. 
say, what was the point of that? I'm trying to get you to think about your thumb, your thumbs, and your big toes. When's the last time you thought about your big toe outside of stubbing it? Or an ingrown nail? Let's just stop there. <laughs> uh, like, you don't wake up typically in the morning and go, God, I want to thank you for my salvation. Thank you for my beautiful wife, my faithful husband laying here, for my children. And I especially want to thank you for my big toe. Get up in the morning and put the toothpaste on the toothbrush and sing, How great thou art for giving me my thumb. You don't sing that. I don't even know what tune that was. I know what I was trying to make it, but it didn't work out that way. We don't typically think about them, but if you do, you realize they're very important. The thumb is crucial to performing precision movements. Imagine trying to write without your thumb. Imagine trying to brush your teeth or tie your shoes or put on a tie. It's not that it's impossible, but ladies, the earrings that you put in so quickly or the necklace that you put on with such speed, it would be far more difficult and challenging if you didn't have a thumb to use a screwdriver or a wrench or a drill. Even even to hold a cup can be very, very challenging without the use of a thumb. Great toes are also important. Not great toes as in you have great toes, but the great toe. The purpose of the human foot is to support and control the direction of the body weight as it falls forward during the stance phase of locomotion. Did you get that? I did a good job writing that. I'm lying. I didn't write that at all. So as locomotion being as you're walking, the purpose of the foot is to balance and provide the, the force, absorb the force during walking of great importance to four foot width, not four as in F-O-U-R, four foot, one word, F-O-R-E-F-O-O-T, width, four foot width and the stabilizing role of the foot is the position and function of the big toe. The main function of the big toe, it's kind of like a rudder, is to direct body weight through the foot in the direction of travel. Now, you didn't think about this when you were walking, and if you try to think about this as you walk across the street tonight, you might fall over and trip on something. So just listen. We have separate, this is how important it is, we have separate, I, I did not know this. This is how awesome our creative God is. We have separate brain representation of the big toe from the other toes. There is actually a, very, a big toe brain designation. You didn't know that. You're going to be trying to find it tonight. You got, I hope you're awake until two in the morning like, where is that designation in my mind? Not only, not only that, but... There is, there is a separate and distinct flexor muscle that inserts only to the big toe. The independent neural and muscular control of the big toe underlines 
its importance in the bipedal walking and running gates in which humans specialize. You know why we specialize in it? You know why that stuff works without you even knowing that it's going on? Do you know why your brain has a big toe designated sensory system and a muscle devoted specifically to the big toe? Because we have an awesome God who created us with incredible, infinitely wonderful detail and he left nothing undone for what he wanted to be accomplished even with our bodies. He is an amazing God. But when you don't have your thumbs and you don't have your big toes, it can be a significant hindrance. As you know already, Judah is leading the way under the direction, the leadership of God. And stay with me, guys. Try to stay awake. He's leading, he's leading Judah to take the lead, and then Judah asks for Simeon to help. And as they go along, they, they begin to immediately have victory again I, I, if God would allow, I want to be the pastor for 20 or 30 or more years, but God has to be in control of that. And it doesn't matter who the pastor is. If it's of God and through him, then God wants the work to continue from one generation to the next. And victory need not be tied to a specific personality. It is through and of Jesus Christ alone. And so he, God continues to work, and they face the Canaanites and the Perizzites, and God continues to give them victory. And it had to be, it had to be so amazing for Judah to remember. Man, you remember when Joshua led us against Jericho, and the walls came down, and all these victories we had under Joshua, and the lessons that we learned, and now Joshua is with God, and yet God is still giving us the victory. How much that had to do for their confidence, for those younger generations that were coming up, that God was still working and so they have a dominating victory they put the whoop dog on the Canaanites and the Perizzites a convincing one-sided victory and in the process of that war the leader or a chief leader of these groups the Canaanites and the Perizzites he sees that his armies are being defeated and so he runs away well they catch him and in verse number 7, after they catch him, they just grab him. Maybe they just put his hand down. Off goes one. Off goes the other. And then they stretch out his foot and maybe they tie it down. Off goes one. Big toe. Off goes the other. You can read that and you think, man, that sounds really cruel and unusual. And I will say this, it is harsh, and it's very unusual. But before you get offended by it, we need to notice how Adonai Bezek responds after it's done to him. In verse number 8, as we already noticed, or excuse me, 7, he says this, Three score, a score is 23 score, 60 and 10, that would be 70. Three score and 10 kings having their thumbs and their great toes cut off, cut off, gathered their meat under my table. So here's what would happen in ancient warfare. They would, they would, uh, they would take kings and they would bring the kings, the defeated king, they would bring them to the royal city and they would, they would eat with the king. If they were allowed to live, they would sit there and, and they would eat with them. 
and, and it was a reminder that they had been defeated, and it was almost like a daily demonstration of a trophy case. And in Adonai Bezek's case, he wanted them to be severely limited, and he wanted them to wake up every day with the reminder, not just that I'm being fed by this king that defeated me, but I am severely limited. And so he, he, he kills this first king, and then he kills the second, and he kills the third, and then he kills the 50th, and then, or excuse me, I said he killed. He captures, he defeats, and then he cuts off the thumbs, and he cuts off the toes, and 70 of these thumbless, big toeless guys are eating at his table. 70 guys doing this. No, I'm not trying to be dumb. No, there's, there's 70 guys. They can't grab a, a fork like you normally would. Grab some food. No, no, go, go, eat, go eat some finger foods without your thumb. Like chopsticks. No, again, I'm not trying to be funny. There's 70 of these guys. And, and you, try to, you try to walk without putting any weight on your big toe. And, and I did a little reading about people that have had to have their toes amputated. And it takes extensive therapy. There are even special kind of inserts that they sometimes have to put in your shoe. And those of you who are in the medical field, some of you are giving very strong nods to assent to this. It is documented that you can learn to walk, but it's never going to be the same. And the quickness, the explosiveness, the balance, the comfort, the ease, the thoughtlessness that you put into walking, you don't have that anymore. And he has 70 men that are under his table eating like that, and they're there because he put them there. Now I want you to notice how he summarizes what happened to him. As I have done, so God hath requited me. Adonai Bezek recognizes this wasn't an army, a conquering army, being unusually mean to a defeated king. This was divine retribution. No, no, no. This wasn't the nation of Israel just being nasty and wanting to inflict as much pain on me as possible. A pagan king recognized in his defeat the divine nature of the retribution that he was experiencing. So there's two lessons that I want us to get with the help of God from this tonight. First, Adonai Bezek understood this, and we need to understand this. You reap what you sow. Now, you typically, you, you typically will not reap when you sow. A farmer goes and he plants the seed. He doesn't reap the seed. As soon as he finishes planting the seed in the field, he then goes back to the beginning point and begins to reap the fruit. No, it takes time for it to come up. I understand that there, when we apply that to the practical living, there can be a few exceptions to this, but those would be exceptions and not the norm. The norm is typically this, that time, and sometimes a lot of time, will pass before you actually begin to reap the fruit of the seed that you've sown. And when it comes to sowing sinful, godless seed, because we don't reap immediately, 
we keep sowing the bad seed. No, I'm, I'm, let me talk about Adam Ibizak for a minute. Cuts off, cuts off the first set. And he wakes up on Monday to breakfast, and there's that guy sitting there struggling. And he's just in his pride. He's just kind of, <laughs> man, yeah, we are dominating. He gets number seven and eight there, and they come stumbling in. And struggle, and they're spilling food all over themselves, and they're struggling to drink, and he's sitting there laughing at them, getting joy out of this. You get to numbers 32 and 33 and 34, and then, like, man, the table, like, fellas, we got to get a bigger dining hall and a bigger, bigger table. And, and the room is filled with the clattering of dishes and cups falling, and they're constantly having to let dogs come in and lick up the food because so much is being spilled on the floor. You get to king number 50. 57, and you've got these long tables, and the, the only thing that's louder than the moans and the limps and the clattering are the laughter of this godless pagan king mocking the suffering that he has inflicted. You get to number 68, 69, and he begins to think, I'm invincible. Then number 70 happens. It's like, man, this is, a, this is quite an accomplishment. Maybe they even mounted him. Like a toe mount. Okay, I am being ridiculous there. Like some of you put Bambi on the wall, which, by the way, I love. Are you one of those? No, I'm going to eat it. I'm just not as good at shooting it as some of you are. I'm all, uh, no, but they, like, hey, hey, King, we should commemorate with a platinum edition, the 70th Big Toe. There's a Patch the Pirate song, I think, called Big Toe. Something like that. Okay, stay focused. <laughs> We're not doing that one. Zip <laughs> there rejoicing. All these, all these kings stumbling in. Struggling to eat. Struggling to get dressed. Being daily reminded of how they've been inflicted, not only with the, the loss of life, the loss of family perhaps, of being defeated, but daily reminded of how they've been rendered very limited and they're now being mocked at. And then one day, in a battle, after, look, look, he's won a lot of battles. If you have 70 thumbless and great toeless king sitting at your table, that means you've won a lot of battles. So when he leads the Canaanites and the Perizzites to fight against Judah and Simeon, the assumption is, I've won battles, I'm going to keep on winning battles. You know who it sounds like? And I'll, uh, with the Lord's help, I'll come back to this. It sounds like Samson, when he finally told Delilah where his strength lied, and he, he assumed that he would go out as at other times. And there's this king, after 70 battles have been won, 70 kings have been harmed and crippled by his cruelty, and he's enjoying it. He goes out to battle, and yet this time, he doesn't just lose, he gets dominated, and they catch him. Can you see them pulling his arms out? See them tying ropes around his arm and stretching it out? And the swordsmen coming and cutting them off, and in his mind... He begins to think of every hand he oversaw that happening to. 
see them as they push him onto the ground and strap his legs down and stretch them out and then begin to cut off his two great toes. And it begins to go through his mind between his own moans and screams. It begins to go through his mind. I am reaping what I have sown. You know what happened? He got comfortable because he didn't reap when he sowed. But just because there's a delay in reaping, there is going to be a day of sowing. Though there be a day, a delay, I said that wrong. Though there do be a delay between sowing and reaping, there will be a day of reaping. You won't, all, you won't typically reap when you sow, but you will certainly reap what you've sown. You don't reap when, but you do reap what. Uh, I'll, I'll get to it in a minute. You don't reap when, but you do reap what. Second, I'm almost, I'm almost to where we start talking about us, and I can tell you're super excited for this, so hang in there. Second lesson, this is in the book of Judges. Now this, this may not strike you the same way, but this, this stood out so significantly to me. The book of Judges is not the record of Israel's best moments. In fact, as we go through the book of Judges, the Lord willing, there are going to be moments of exaltation. There are going to be moments of divine intervention and where we can rejoice in and see and learn from the work of God and how he helped his people when they humbled themselves and turned to them. But the book of Judges is summed up with this statement, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And it ends with some of the most horrible events in, human, in the history of the nation of Israel being recorded for just how twisted and, and confused the people of God get when we forsake the truth of God. This is, this is in. This is at the beginning of the book of Judges. And the history of Judges is not one of which they should be thankful or proud of. There are things to be thankful for in it. But overall, it's not something to be thankful for. And yet it begins with God using the nature, nation of Israel to first give them a victory after Joshua's death to affirm his presence with them and then to use them as a tool of divine retribution where they are witness to the law of sowing and reaping. And here's the second thing we learn. There was no reason for them to miss this lesson. And yet they did. Does that make sense? They started off What's recorded, the chronology of Judges, how it's recorded. They started off with a victory. They started off with God blessing them, even in the absence of, of one leader over the collective group and through Judah and with the help of Simeon. And they, they are affirmed by God and then they are used as God's instrument for divine retribution to bring about the fruit of what this wicked king had sown for years. And they should have looked at that in, a, in that moment and said, listen, what was true of him can be true of us. And we need to make sure that we are faithful to sow godly seed from one generation to the next. And yet they constantly sowed the wrong seed. You know what judges is? It's reaping over and over and over the life that happens when you reject God. Second thing is there's no reason to miss this lesson. 
Let's talk about these two things for just a moment. You are going to reap, not when, but what you sow. You can continue to be resentful in your heart. But that fruit of bitterness, that seed of bitterness, is going to produce fruit that is destructive generationally. No, you can, you can sow the seed of, of sexual deviation. But, but that seed, and you can think for a while, husbands, you can think, wives, you can think, young people, you can think, no, nobody's going to see this, I'm going to keep it under control, no, I'm good, I've got it, this isn't going to take me any further, I'm just, I'm just going to kind of keep it right here. But here's the truth about any kind of deviation, and sexual sin is no different, it never, it's never content to stay in one spot. Like if I can just be gratified this way, then, then that's all I'm ever going to need. But eventually that's going to wear off and you're going to need something else and you're going to need something else and you're going to need something else. And you can sow that seed sometimes for years and you can continue to allow yourself to enjoy the appetites of the flesh and to conceal things from your parents, to conceal things from your youth leaders, from your teachers, to conceal things from people in the church that care about you, from your spouse. And you you sow that seed over and over and over and you begin to think like Adonai Bezek I've got this history where I sow this seed and it's not doing me any harm but I'm telling you brothers and sisters the fruit is growing on that tree you're gonna reap it one day sow the seed of not not being willing to humble yourself and make something right you sow the seed of lying to your parents. Sow the, sow the seed of having a rebellious spirit. You can sow the seed of ignoring the instruction over and over. Listen, just because you sit in a church like this doesn't mean it's getting to your heart. No, and what's true on the front row is true on the back row. It's true on the live stream. Just because you sit in here doesn't mean it's getting to your heart. But whether or not it gets to your heart, you're accountable for what you hear. And you sow the seed of not responding, of not humbling yourself. And how many times have you been convicted and re refused to come to the altar? How many times have you been prompted and yet refused to seek forgiveness or refused to give forgiveness? How many times have you been prompted to invest but refused to invest? You keep sowing. You keep sowing that seed. And it is going to produce fruit according to the divine law of God. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And we keep cutting off thumbs and toes with our attitudes, with our lifestyles. We think, oh, I'm good. And yet it's going to come back. You know the worst way to watch it come back? Is in the lives of generations coming up after you. Right, can I talk to the single adults in here for just a minute? No, not even the single parents, just the single adults. You don't have any children. You say, well, I don't, I don't really have generations coming up after me. Oh, no, you do. Because I, I watch you. 
You have nieces, you have nephews. Some of you minister in this church in very significant ways, which, by the way, I'm thankful for. You don't have to be married to be useful to the Lord. No, you, you have something to pour into. Oh, man, listen to me. That, that you're sowing some seed right now, and you let sin go in your life, and it's going to show up in the lives of generations, and you won't always know the effects of it. Can I talk to those of you that do have children? You have grandchildren. You are sowing seed that is going to produce fruit in their lives. Let me, let me talk to my brothers and sisters that are single parents and through some tragic or very, very hard circumstances, you find yourself parenting alone. Please get this. I understand that right now you might be reaping some fruit from some seed that someone else sowed in your life, but you are responsible for the seed that you sow now. No, 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 no. Don't you spend your years looking back and blaming the seed you sow now on the seed that was sown then. No, young people, I get it, that it's hard. And some of you coming up in single parent homes, some of you have been through some really hard things. But listen, you can either perpetuate the godless seed, the wicked seed, and your children will reap the same fruit that you did. I'm terrified of this. I'm sowing seed as a pastor. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I hope, by the mercy of God, I don't lose this fear. Because I don't want there to be generations that have to work through godless seed that I use this position to sow. Because of the, and, and they have to begin to reap fruit. You're going to reap what you sow. Number, number two, you don't have to learn the hard way. Come on, please stay awake. We're almost there. No, please get this. Let this burn in your heart. You don't have to, you don't have to reap the hard way. Young people, I really want you to get this. College age, young adults, high schoolers, kids that are in the third and fourth and fifth grade, you don't have to learn the hard way. I'm so weary of people per- promoting the idea, well, young people are just going to learn the hard way. No, sometimes we do, and we've all been guilty of that in one way or another. But it ought not be the standard that we have in our homes and in our church here. No, we, we, ought to, we ought to promote and nurture and develop an environment where people can learn from things that others have gone through and not continue to live those same mistakes and that same bad seed and that same bad fruit out. And can I say to the, to the dads in here that had it rough and the moms in here that you weren't raised the right way, I, I'm not making light of this in any way. I am genuinely I am genuinely, I am sorry for what you've been through. My heart hurts for what you've had to work through. I get it that it's hard. I get it that it's not fair. I get it that there are challenges that you find yourself still having to work through. But please get this. You don't have to repeat those things. Raise your sons differently. Raise your daughters differently. Be 
to those children what someone was never to you. Young people, the, the best life is not living without restraint. Anyone who chooses to reject God and go their own way, eventually it always, it always ends up the same for them. And in your hearts, you harden yourself with pride as though you are going to be the exception at West Valley or anywhere else. I'm going to be different and it's going to be okay for me. But it never works out any better. End up just like Adonai Bezak. You know what? You could just learn and observe. You could just look around. Hey, hey. Give me your eyes, girls. I love you. And, and I'm not the only one. Guys, I love you. I don't want to hang out with you all the time, but I love you. I pray for you. And I'm, I'm thankful for you. If you'd take just a minute, if you'd learn to put your phone down... And, you, and, and you'd ask your mom and dad, what are some things that you went through that you could have avoided? I'm sure they would have some really helpful information to pass on to you. Talk to, in the Connect class, got some singles. Talk to Brother Fiavai, Miss Rothina. Talk, talk, talk to the Wicklands. Talk, you see men like Brother Don up here. Man, we got, we got people in our church that would love to help you understand. There's some things that you can avoid. You don't have to learn it the hard way. But don't you deceive yourself. You are going to reap what you sow. So don't learn the hard way. Here's the last thing. We're done. Almost. Sow good seed. We got, we got multiple groups in this. You're just starting out. And you're really, right now those of you that have a good mom and dad or a good dad or a good mom, you are, you are still, especially those of you still at home, you are reaping the fruit of seed they've sown. Here's the problem. Hey, look, here's the problem with teenagers. You think that the good life you get to enjoy right now is a product of your decisions. No, it's not. No, look at me. Look at me. Even if you come from difficult circumstances, if you have stability in your life right now, whether it's with a single parent or someone standing in for your parents or your parents, can I tell you, you enjoy that life because of seed that somebody else sowed. And you sit there and you're like, I got this. No, you don't. You don't even know what it's like to live a life sowing seed yet. Is this sounding confrontational? Good, because I intend it to be. No, young people, get this. Learn to start sowing good seed right now. Hey, hey, look, I'm going to make this real simple. Every time you say yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, to the authority God's put in your life with a good attitude, you're dropping a seed in the ground. Every time you come clean. Every time, young men, you come clean and you look your dad and mom in the face and you say, look, I, I messed up, I did something wrong. You don't know it and it feels miserable in that moment, but you're putting a seed in the ground. 
Every time you decide to put your phone down and open up the word of God, every time you pray, every time you say no to temptation at school, every time you turn off the music or the radio or the images when you know they're not pleasing to God, I know it can be hard in the moment, but you are putting seed in the ground. Every time you sit up and you listen to a sermon and you take notes and you ask God to help you apply it, the next morning you are putting seed in the ground. Every time you show kindness or pass out a track, you are putting seed in the ground develop the habit of sowing good seed right now because one day look at me Mikey one day you're gonna have a wife and I hope she's not as crazy as you hope God uses her to bring some balance into your life this is one tough cookie right here but you're gonna reap fruit from seed that you started to sow now. And to, to the couples raising kids, every time you ignore disobedient behavior, you're sowing seed. I took a picture. I'm not going to show it because I got convicted about taking the picture. I was standing in a line this week, and there was a child throwing a fit. And the parent was just kind of dragging them along. And so I very stealthily just took a picture of it. I told you about it. I'm not going to show it to you. But I did look at it the other day. I'm like, you know what's happening? We're sowing seed. But every time you correct and discipline in love, you're sowing seed. You're like, it, it doesn't. How many of you parents feel like, the fruit isn't showing up the way you want it to as soon as you want it to. Okay, okay, yeah, we got a couple. Some of you, I saw you walk out during the service already. Look, it's okay. By the way, when parents walk out to take care of their children, praise the Lord for that. That's the way that nobody needs to be following them out. You just let them go handle it, have a prayer meeting, sing Just As I Am, Amazing Grace, and come back in. It's all good. We just keep rolling, hallelujah. But every time you handle it the right way, you're sowing seed. You come in and you confess some sin tonight. You're sowing some seed. You make a commitment that you need to. You're sowing some seed. I know that you're tired. And look, it would be so much easier to be cuddled up in a blanket with a cup of coffee and chilling out and doing whatever it is that you do to relax at home. But when you get yourself up and you come on a Sunday night, you come on a Wednesday night, you get involved. You are sowing seed. I know you're tired, but you're sowing seed. Not just that you're going to reap in the future, but that your children's children are going to reap in the future. Man. And then there's people, one more category, there's people who have, who right now are reaping the fruit from bad seed that was sown years ago, and God dealt with you and you're starting to sow good seed. It's one of the most discouraging categories to be in. You're reaping fruit from bad seed, but you're trying to sow good seed now. Don't give up. Don't give up. You realize you can decide to sow different seed. No, you can't. You're like, man, I've been sowing some really bad seed lately in my attitude. I've been sowing some really bad seed with the way I've been treating my wife. I've been sowing some really bad seed with my resentment towards my husband. I've been sowing some bad seed. I've just kind of been checking out from a few things in church, and I'm just not invested like I need to be. I go through the motions, but I'm just, I'm really struggling with some things. I've been sowing some bad seed. Hey, start sowing some good seed. Because what's true in the negative is also true in the positive. Sow good seed. 
Here's what we learn from the thumbs and the toes. You do reap what you sow. So can I ask you tonight, can I just ask you to have a, a picture in your mind? What do you want to reap? I'll share it with you. Share it with you. I'll, I'll, go to, I'll go straight to an example I've shared with you many times. I hope a lot of you aren't around for this, because if you are, it means it happened really quick. I hope some of you beat me to heaven. <laughs> that sounds awful. Okay, do the math. <laughs> Making sure you're awake. Look, look you, you need to be okay. We're, we're not living for here. We're living for there. But one day, this body will be in a box. And by the grace of God, it's going to be in a different building. And that may be the reason I die. <laughs> but what if it's here? It's here. Man. I don't want my children to have to sit here. They, they already know their daddy's not perfect. But you know what I want? I want the fruit of a life that consistently pointed to Jesus Christ. Not perfect. Nobody is. But I want them to walk, be able to walk by and say, man, I miss my dad. I wish I, wish I could talk to him one more time, but here's what I know. He died loving our Savior. I want that fruit. I know way too many pastors. Way too many. Know way too many youth leaders. Know too, way too many staff members. Know, know way too many deacons or trustees. Know way too many faithful church families. Man, you let, you let some seed creep into your life. They let seed creep into their life, and it ended up producing fruit. You know, I don't, want to, I don't want the fruit of man. Yeah, we had a good pastor. I don't want that. You know what fruit I want? I want, I want church members to be able to walk by and say, man, we sure do. Well, we, we miss Miss Ann. We're thankful she's still with us. No, you didn't die. Sorry. <laughs> it's my funeral. I mean, if we had to pick, we're glad that she stayed a little longer. But, I mean, we miss Pastor. But, man, I'm so thankful for the life he lived. He wasn't perfect. But, man, God used him in our lives. I want that fruit. I want to walk Ashland down this aisle. Actually, I want it to be in a new building. I want to walk her down the aisle. And I'm going to say her mother and I. <laughs> now, you, you know, I, I hope this is registering with you. When, I, I, one of your sons might be the pastor up here one day. I, I tease some of your boys, I'm going to hire you on staff one day. I tell Gus, I'm going to hire you. You can't have a mullet then, but I am going to hire you. <laughs> You're going to be my enforcer. You're just going to walk around punching people. 
telling them to get right with God. Say, come to the invitation. You, you need to get to the altar. Man, one of your sons could be the pastor of this church one day. What kind of church do we want to leave them? What about the next 20 years of your marriage? Hey, there might be somebody you're thinking about. You're thinking about divorce. I don't know, I don't know what goes on in everybody's life. It's like, man, I'm thinking about this or we're going through this. Look, can I encourage you? Can, can I ask you to do this? I actually had this conversation with somebody. I envision, because I've watched other families go through it, I envision what that would be like if I made that decision. Sow seed, you reap fruit. To those of you that have been through a divorce, man, don't let your life be defined by bitterness always looking back. Look ahead because there's a God that loves you. This is not the place where you get marked with a scarlet letter. Mm -mm. Not ashamed of that either. No, go ahead and keep living where you're at and sowing seed where you're at to honor God. I need to stop. I'm sorry for going so long. So good seed. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, I wasn't silly tonight because I didn't take this seriously. I'm serious. And I know you're much more serious about it. Father, I want to be a church that sows good seed. I want to, I want to be a husband that sows good seed. I want to be a, I want to be a dad. Sows good seed. And Father, you know my transparency with you. You know my transparency with my wife. My kids. The one thing I don't want tonight, God, is for people to be discouraged about things they can't change. We can't, we can't do anything about seed someone else has sown. We can't do anything about the bad seed that we have sown, but we can start sowing good seed. We can continue sowing good seed. It's hard to sow good seed. It's hard to sow good seed. But man, it, the fruit tastes so good. I look at the seed I get to, I, I have benefited from, look at the fruit I get to, eat and enjoy because of seed that was sown years ago. A lot of times not even by me. Father, I'm thankful for it. But I also know that I reap the fruit of bad seed that I sow. So God, help us tonight to sow good seed. Help us to sow good seed. Let's all stand together. If God has spoken to your heart, you respond to him. We won't drag out the invitation, but if God has talked to you, Spend a minute, talk to him.